So today, my title for my sermon is, You Are a Temple. In other words, you're a house, right? Now, this message was given to me by the Lord before last, last week's service. Now, how many of you were in that service and you saw the moving in the presence of God? That's, you know, we call this a sanctuary. That's a sanctuary, a place where God comes. But he comes in us. Now, there's times that he will anoint us specially, but we have the Spirit of God in us. 1 Corinthians 3, 16. This is our main verse. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Just think about that. Let that sink in for a moment. We house the most precious gift of the universe inside of us. Now, this isn't something new. We've all heard it before, most of us at least, that the Spirit of God comes and dwells. When, at least if you've been born again, the Spirit of God dwells within you, right? You, your spirit has changed. You become alive. The Spirit of God makes it alive. And so we become a home for the Spirit of God. He's always with us everywhere we go. <laughs> you know what? We don't drop him off someplace and say, see you later. No, wherever we go, he goes with us. He's always aware of what's going on with us. But did you know that he's not there to judge us, but to help us? If you're feeling condemned about something, it's not the Holy Spirit. Because we have a judgment that's going to come later on, but it's not right now. We have the Holy Spirit here to help us. Jesus said the Holy Spirit would come and be our helper. Because guess what? <laughs> he knew we needed help. <laughs> I don't know about you. I need help. <laughs> I need it every day. <laughs> Sometimes uh, it's like, Lord, if you don't help me, I don't know how I'm going to make it through this day. But you know what? He always does. He always helps us. The question is, what kind of home do we give the Spirit of God who represents Jesus Christ and our Father, the Holy One? God is holy, right? What kind of home does he get to live in? Now, like I said, this is not judgment. This is for our help. And believe you me, <laughs> I always preach to myself before I preach to anybody else. <laughs> Colossians 1, 26 to 28. This is Paul again writing, and he's telling us the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. Go on. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is, here's the mystery, Christ in you, the hope of glory. 
verse 28. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. So for generations, no one knew about this mystery. But now God has revealed it to his saints. Guess what? That's us. He's revealed it to us. We are saints if we have accepted Jesus Christ into our heart. We automatically gain sainthood. Nobody makes us, just Jesus, okay? The riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We are enveloped in Christ's glory. His glory resides in us, and it emanates out of us. It shines out from our spirit man, out. And in the spirit realm, you could actually see it. But we know in the Old Testament, we have, um, we have where it talks about the glory, and it might be a cloud, it might be light. And we, even in modern times, people have seen those things when God chooses to manifest them, okay? Him, or Jesus, we preach, that's wisdom, to preach Jesus, that we may present every man perfect or mature in Christ Jesus. We want to present every man, that's the job of the pastor, the evangelist, those who are teaching, whatever we're doing, uh, is to present every man as perfect or mature in Christ Jesus. Um, when we read the word, what does it do? It helps us to grow up. It helps that we feed our, our minds with the word. It says, renew your minds. You're not going to grow up in the Lord if you don't feed on his word. And that's what we want, every person to mature in the Lord. When we stand before God, we don't want to stand there as a little baby crying and saying, I'm sorry, I just, I just couldn't grow up. Well, I gave you my word to eat, to feed on. Okay, I guess I should have had more of it. <laughs> but it's our responsibility. God gives us gifts of the pastor and teachers and those to come in to help us. But it's still our responsibility. You know, you can take a cow to the feed but you can't make the cow eat or the horde. The same with a person. You can't make a person eat. You can't make them swallow it. God presents it to us. It's up to us to take it in. Amen? So I wanted to talk about God's first relationship with man. So... We're going to read Genesis 2.15. We know that God created Adam and Eve. Then the Lord God took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. You know, God made this beautiful home. The Garden of Eden was their home. He gave it to them. He created them, most probably the most beautiful specimen of humans you could ever imagine. And here they are. He made this beautiful home, the Garden of Eden, that had everything that they could desire or want. Did you know that there's even gold? <laughs> For us women, we like gold. 
silver, whatever. It was in the garden. Everything was there. Everything they had to eat, it was there. And he gave them this job of taking care of it. Well, it was already pretty good, so I don't know what they had to do. I don't think they had weeds, but who knows? I think they were supposed to keep out that old serpent, but I don't know. <laughs> anyway, we know the story how Adam and Eve sinned and they fell. They ate of that tree that God told them not to eat. They, they weren't happy with the whole garden. They had to have that tree because it looked so good. Anyway, when they ate of that fruit, their spirit man died. The light in them went out. The glory departed and they became naked. In other words, they were clothed only in their flesh. Well, now we are going to see, um, we're going to read Genesis 3, 8, and 9, but I wanted to say that, first of all, that God would come and he would walk and talk with man in the cool of the day. I don't know if he came every day, but he would come. He wanted to fellowship with them, right? When in the cool of the day meant the evening, after they were finished doing whatever they did to take care of the garden, when they were at rest, then God would come. He wouldn't interfere with their work. He wouldn't micromanage what they were doing. He would just come in the evening and say, how'd your day go? Well, this one day he came along and he didn't see them. So Genesis 3, 8 and 9. Now Adam and Eve, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Can you imagine trying to hide from God? Then the Lord God called to Adam and said, Where are you? Like he didn't know. Next verse. So he said, this is Adam, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Well, of course he had. Ah. <laughs> uh. Do you know what? Why were they hiding? Because they didn't want to hear God's voice. They were hiding from the voice of God. Verse 10 and 11. Can you put that one up? Genesis 3, 10 and 11. So he said, I heard your voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. You know, you cannot hide from God. He knows everything about you. And now today he's right inside of us. He's not coming in the evening and saying, well, how'd your day go? He says, He's right here with us everywhere we go. He's right here with us. <sighs> Praise God. But you know what? While I was thinking of this and how we don't want to hear the voice of God, I was thinking about how a little child 
throws a tantrum. Have you ever seen a kid throw a tantrum? They kick and scream and yell and holler and the parents trying to get them to listen, but they don't want to hear the voice of the parent, do they? They want their own way. So they yell and they scream and they holler. Uh, I, I was thinking of this and I, so how many times when we're crying and complaining, uh, are we not wanting to hear what God is telling us? Well, sometimes we're just really hurt. And that's okay. God loves us. But when we've done something wrong, we don't want to think about that. Adam and Eve played the blame game. Have you ever asked a little kid, did you do that? No, I didn't do that. <laughs> Isn't that like us? We don't want to take responsibility for what we did. But did you know, it takes maturity to accept the blame for something that we did. And sometimes, even if we think we didn't really do anything wrong or not that bad, when we want to stay close to God, he'll say, don't you think that you could apologize for maybe the way you said it? Even if you were right, maybe you still made a mistake. Oh, Lord. No, <laughs> that's too hard to do. But you know, when we accept responsibility for the things that we do, it brings such a peace to us. We can have fellowship with God, and he comes and he ministers to us. Praise God. He's not here to judge us. He's here to help us. Amen. Amen. Now in the Old Testament, God dwelt in the temple or the tabernacle that he had made for him. Exodus 25, 8. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. That was because he didn't live inside of man. So he wanted a temple, a sanctuary, a place where people would recognize God is there. And they would reverence it. He's a holy God. They would always pray and look towards the temple. And now God is inside of us. John 14, 23 to 26. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. See how much he loves us? He's responding to us. If we love him, he's going to come and make his home with us. Hallelujah. All it takes is wanting him, desiring him, loving him, saying, I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. So now he's come and he's living and dwelling in us. Well, how do we learn to hear him? How do we know it's him talking to us? There's so many voices out there. Well, I'm going to give you a few examples of how we can do that. We're going to turn to Psalms 46, verse 10. It says, Be still and know that I am God, I will be exalted among the nations. 
I will be exalted in the earth. So how do we hear it? He said, be still. Don't throw a tantrum. Just be still and listen. Know that I am God. You know, he'll take you outside and show you the stars. He'll show you the trees. He'll show you all the things he's made. Be still and know that I am God. And then 1 Kings 19, verses 11 through 13. This was Elijah after he had had that big old battle, you know. And then they threatened his life and he ran away and he ran to this mountain. And then God said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire. God was not in the fire, but after the fire, there was this still, small voice. So it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and he went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? <laughs> Why are you running away? <laughs> but you see, all the storm, all the stuff that was occurring, God was not in it. And God gets blamed for a lot of those things nowadays. But that's not God. He was in the still, small voice. He was going to speak to him in that quiet voice. He said, when all the storm is all over, those distractions that come and pull on you and make you afraid and whatever they're trying to do, it's not God. He's in the still, small voice. Praise God. I want to read Psalms 23, verses 1 through 3. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. See, God wants to restore us. He wants us to be one with him. When he leads us, it's the still quietness, the peacefulness, the green pastures. We can get our rest. We can get food. We can relax. He leads me to good places. That doesn't mean you won't have trials and tribulations. Why? We live in this world. Guess what? God didn't create all this turmoil. But he will lead us. If we let him, he will lead us to where it's quiet, where we can have fellowship with him, where he can wash us and restore us from all the things that's going on in this old earth. Hallelujah. He's there to take care of us. He's a good shepherd. God is good. Can you say that with me? God is good.
Don't let anybody tell you any different. God is good. Now we're going to read um, Acts 17, 24 to 31. It's talking about God not dwelling in temples made with our hands. God who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. Next verse. Nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope after him, that means feel after him, and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. He's close. For in him we live and move and have our being, as also some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art and man's devising. He's talking about idols. You don't form something and worship it and think it's going to take care of you. It's not real. Truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all men everywhere to repent because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him, that's Jesus, from the dead. So he's given us this assurance that he is with us, he's there to help us, he's there to guide us, he lives in us, we don't go and pray to some stone object that can't hear us. I'll throw in a little story here. My dad, as a missionary, he was fearless. I tell you, I never met anyone who would try to do the things that he did. But on one of his treks through the jungle, he came to this village, and there was this idol at the front, you know, on the path going into the village, about this big, head, straight body, made out of wood. Well, he's out there preaching Jesus, right? So he and his interpreter by themselves, you know, they're just going along. These, these villagers would every day put food and water down there for this idol. Surprisingly, every morning it was gone. Well, my dad comes up to this idol and he grabs a hold of it and pulls it out of the ground, walks into the middle of the village and says, okay, we're going to see whose God is real. <laughs> so all the villagers were waiting to see for my dad to be struck down dead by this idol, you know? Well, guess what? Nothing happened. And the whole village turned to God. <laughs> Praise God. But you see, an idol has nothing in it. 
And sometimes people make things to represent God or whatever, but if you're not careful, it becomes an idol. You worship it, you pray to it. No, there's only one God in heaven. Praise God. Okay, let's see, where were we? <laughs> Isn't God good? <laughs> God does not dwell in temples made with hands. The reason he made, had a temple made in the Old Testament, like I said, was because they needed to see something that represented him. But now, we're going to go back to our main verse, 1 Corinthians 3.16. The King James Version says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Think about it. He's in you. Now we're going to read the Amplified. Do you not discern and understand that you, that's the whole church at Corinth, he, Paul was talking to the Corinthian church, you are God's temple, his sanctuary, and that God's spirit has his permanent dwelling in you to be at home in you collectively as a church and as an individual. When we come into this sanctuary, God's not already here. He comes in with us. Amen? Wherever you are, you're the sanctuary for God. Okay? So let him shine. And the Message Bible. You realize, don't you, that you are the temple of God and God himself is present in you? No one will get by with vandalizing. This is a 17th verse, actually, I think. No one will get by with vandalizing God's temple. You can be sure of that. God's temple is, next slide, God's temple is sacred, and you remember are the temple. In the Message Bible, it's kind of hard to separate some of them because they come in little paragraphs with no numbers. Okay, so we're going to read 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20 in the King James Version. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? And verse 20. For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. I want you to notice here, He's saying, not just your spirit, but in your body. Oh, now we got to contend with the body too. You were bought with a price. Glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Mm, that, that really puts a twist on things. You know, I have to take care of my body, too. Well, part of it is renewing your mind, right? Our minds have to be renewed. So anyway, <laughs> we'll go on. <laughs> I want to read this one. We don't have up on the scripture, but I want to read 1 Corinthians six seventeen in the modern English version, it says, but he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. In other words, we're no longer just us. We're one 
with the Spirit of God. He infuses us with his spirit. Our spirit man is infused with God, the Holy Spirit. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit. We're not mere mortals anymore because we have the Spirit of God in him. So whatever he asks us to do, according to his word, we have the ability to do it. Amen? And we have to renew our minds to that fact. Otherwise, we'll live as just mere humans. Meantime, the power of Almighty God dwells inside of us. Amen? We carry the precious word of God. The word is Jesus. We carry that precious word to the whole world. Amen? Now we're going to read 2 Corinthians 6, 16. Am I giving you too much? Are you still with me? <laughs> Praise God. You know, this is good stuff. It's renewing our minds. <clears throat> He's talking about dwelling in us and walking among us. And it says, what and what agreement has the temple of God with idols? Talking about idols again. For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them. He's in you. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? He's talking about, okay, he's talking about really going and being part of what they're doing. The other scripture says you, you can't, you know, not associate with them. How are you going to witness to them if you're not associating with them? But to go and take part in what they're doing, God said, no, 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 that you're being... You're not to yoke yourself to them. In other words, there's certain parties you shouldn't go to. There's certain places you shouldn't go to. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is with you. He hears you. He's going to be telling you, uh-uh-uh. So do we ignore him? <laughs> okay, so... Now we're going to drop down to the 17th and 18th verse. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. Next verse. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. We're his kids. We're to fellowship with him. We're to be with like-minded folks, right? In the sheepfold, you might say. No, not running with the goats. We're going to run with the sheep, okay? Praise God. Now, Paul did say, like, like if you're married to an unbeliever, you don't go and separate yourself from them. Now you have a choice if you're saved and then you're getting married. Then, okay, don't be unequally yoked. But he says, don't separate yourself because why? You sanctify that person. The Spirit of God in, that, in you sanctifies that person. Otherwise, 
what would happen to them? And believe it or not, if you believe for them, they'll come in. It might not come in in your time, what you would like, but it'll happen. Praise God. Hallelujah. John 16, 13 and 14 verse. This is one way that we can, can hear the Spirit of God. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, this is Jesus talking, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. The Holy Spirit is going to teach you about Jesus. That's his job, to show what Jesus is. So our born-again spirit is going to recognize the Holy Spirit. If we listen, that's still in that quiet time. We're going to recognize him because he's in us. It's like, oh, yeah, that sounds right. Where have I heard that before? Uh-huh. All we have to do is open the word and we'll find it. If it's not there, it's not God. And then our conscience. Hebrews 9, 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, Cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. When we've been born again, our conscience has been cleared. We can now trust our conscience. Before you're born again, you can't necessarily trust your conscience. You can go into some places and it doesn't bother you. You're having a good time. But after you're born again, it's like, hmm, I don't think I should be going in there. Now, that granted, sometimes the Holy Spirit might send you into a place, but it would be to minister, not to fellowship, okay? Praise God. <laughs> it's really easy if we think about it. The Spirit of God is so simple. He tells, it's so simple if we really think about it. Sometimes we make it so difficult, and it's not difficult. All we have to do is get still and listen to him. Get the word of God and let him speak to us. So, what kind of a building or what are we building for the Lord to dwell in? Back to our, our thing, like, we are a temple. 1 Corinthians 3, 10 to 15. According to the grace of God, this is Paul speaking again, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation. And another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus is our foundation. Amen? When you're born again, you have the foundation. Jesus Christ is our foundation. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, straw, each one's works. Now he's talking about works here. He's not talking about idols. Each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. That means the day that he comes for us. It's going to be revealed by fire 
what works we've done. And the fire will test each one's works of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he's going to receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet as though by fire. I want you to get that part. Even though all your works might be burnt up, you're still on the foundation of Jesus Christ. You are still a child of God. So those things that you thought you were doing for God, and they all got burnt up because maybe the motive was wrong, he says, you are still going to be saved. Okay, next, verse 16. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? I keep drilling that over and over and over to us. I want us to get it. You know, it might change what we do if we really think that the Spirit of God dwells in us. Praise God. Now, verse 17, 1 Corinthians 3.17, I'm throwing this in because if you're reading the scriptures, this is going to come up and cause some questions. Okay. In the New King James, it says, If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Okay. Now we're going to do it in the Amplified. If anyone does hurt, to God's temple or corrupts it, now here's the key, with false doctrine or destroys it, God will do hurt to him and bring him to the corruption of death and destroy him. The reason this is so uh, is confusing is because it says, God's going to destroy you. Right? This body this temple of God, if we do hurt to it. Well, we just read in the previous verse that our works are going to be tried by fire. They could all be destroyed, but you would still be saved because we're, our foundation is on Jesus Christ. So God is not out to destroy you, but your works. And there are sometimes, if we're not living right, if we're not taking care of our body, then maybe we will have a premature death. That's the way of this world. That's not God's will, but that's what he's referring to in this scripture. So I want to read in the Message Bible, First uh, Corinthians three sixteen and seventeen again. You realize, don't you, that you are the temple of God, and God Himself is present in you. No one will get by with vandalizing God's temple. You can be sure of that. God's temple is sacred. And you remember, and you remember, are the temple. Just remember that. God is sacred. Our temple is sacred unto God. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm going to go to John chapter 10, verses 27 to 30. We're his sheep, right? My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. And they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, 
neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. And I and my Father are one. So he knows us. We follow him because we recognize his voice. Yes, I hear you, Lord. We know his character, so we follow him. No one can take us out of his hand. In closing, I just wanted to read a scripture from the Old Testament about the temple being filled with the presence of God. In 2 Chronicles 5, 13 and 14. Indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeters and the singers were one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice, next verse, with the trumpets and the cymbals and instruments of music, and they praised the Lord, saying, For God is good, or for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. So we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The question is, what kind of home or temple are we presenting to him? Is it within us? Do we really want to live for him? So let's prepare our spirit, our soul, our body as a place that we would be glad to present to God as a dwelling place. How do we do that? By filling ourselves with the word of God and doing what it tells us to do. That's simple, right? Praying and spending time quietly listening to his voice, fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit. He wants to reveal who Jesus is. Jesus is the word, and he wants us to have an intimate relationship with him. What an honor that God would dwell in us and among us. So let's honor him back by giving ourselves unto him.